0: Oh, feels so wonderful. <laughs> when you're a pastor and you look out and there's no one there, you question, am I doing a good job or not? And so, man, let me one more time say welcome. Welcome to South Point Church. I am so glad to see you. I am so glad to worship together with you, to hear laughter and people talking in the lobby before service. I can't tell you how invigorating that is. Um, also, because I kind of want to remember this, let me get to this. I'm going to take a picture of you if it's okay. <laughs> so, everyone, don't move or anything like that crazy. Um, if pictures aren't your thing, cover your face. Oh, I said don't move. Follow instructions, come on, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Um, man, we, we have been looking forward to today for weeks and weeks and weeks, all right? I think we're all kind of in agreement on that. Weeks ago, we had to make the decision and we kind of followed everything and said, okay, we're just going to be online. And man, that was hard. It's different. If you're online today, thank you so much for joining us. We are going to continue to do this because we know that we actually have an online community out there. And so our church grew a lot in, a, in the span of a couple of weeks. But at the same time, we, we looked forward, didn't know when it was going to be, but we knew there was going to be a day where we could come back together. And we just said, that's going to be Celebration Sunday. We're going to take a break from some things. We're going to worship together. Uh, We're going to take a break from our sermon series, Greatest Sermon. And today, we're going to ask a question. And the question is this, like, what are we doing here? (laughs) Like, what's going on? Years ago, I did a, it was called a leadership now. We took a bunch of kids down to Galveston. And we did a lot of leadership and biblical training with them. And one of the things that we did one Saturday night, we played a game where they had to find all of these different, like, locations on the beach and around some of the shops that we were at. It was kind of a fun game. Like, they had to learn how to use a compass and and figure out little riddles and clues like that. And it was eventually going to lead them to one central spot, and the first team that got there won. But it was also a leadership thing, and we wanted them to ask the right question. And so I get my group. I got, like, ten students, and... I'm just standing there and they're like what are we doing I said we're playing a game and that's all i would tell them i wouldn't tell them anything about what they needed to do the idea was someone's going to be the leader and step into that and finally was one little girl just lost it and was like are there instructions and I went why yes, there are because I had the instructions in my pocket the entire time. So she starts reading it and figuring out. Oh, uh, it keeps talking about. Is there a compass? Oh, and my buddy pulls a compass out. He's like, it just so happens to be right here. Like you had to ask the right question. And when it comes to church, like I've had weeks and weeks of trying to think and think through, like what 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 is the church? And that turns out that's not the right question. The correct question is, who is the church? And this morning, as we begin to gather back together, I want us to focus and think about what is it that we do when we come here? Like, the question is not, what is the church? Who is the church? Now, when we ask that question, who is the church, there's two answers that come up. The first one is this. There is a universal church. There's the church universal. If you look in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes this. So when we talk about that, he's talking about the church universal. This is what we say, the the capital C church, the big C church. And in this sense, there aren't churches, there aren't denominations, there's one body, there's one people united together with Christ. And he says not only in this age, but in the age to come. When he says this age, he's referring to basically all of human history on earth which has lasted from the time of of Adam and Eve to this exact second today and as long as he sees fit to let it be there. That's this age. He says not only this age, but in the age to come. Like the church universal is going to exist for the rest of eternity. Because one day, in the perfect moment, God's going to look to his right and he's going to go, it's time. And Jesus is going to rise up. And there is going to be a trumpet that rips through the atmosphere and the sound. And people are going to look up. And some people are going to look up going, I'm confused. And some people are going to look up going, yay! And Jesus is going to take the church back. And the church will continue in that age to come. But even in this age, I want you to imagine just how big this makes the church. Just how big this makes our family. Our family is made up of billions of people that you don't even know. People could walk through that door right now and be a part of this body. Like this guy could walk in and he would look a little rough. Like his face actually, you would go, man, have you been in some fights? Like what's going on? Like something doesn't look right about you. But then this guy would start to talk and you would go, oh my soul, I want to listen to every word this guy is saying because it would be Paul. Paul, this apostle who wrote so much of the New Testament, we're going to read him all over the place today. Like, he wrote all of this, and if he walked in, he's part of the same family and body that you are. And then another guy could walk in. And at first you'd be like, oh, this dude smells. What's going on? He smells like fish. It's Peter. Like, Peter, who was one of the apostles, could walk in. And I know we put those two people on such high pedestals. That is part of your family. You are united into that same body as they are. Someone could walk in, and we'd laugh at his name because his name's Polycarp. He was a bishop of Smyrna a long time ago. I know that sounded like I just said a Pokemon. That's an actual person in the family of God. He was a great leader. He was martyred for his faith. This guy could walk in and he'd have a scowl on his face and he'd look a little bullish and he'd be trying to nail stuff to the door and we'd tell him, hey, we're not that kind of church because it's Martin Luther, this guy who dramatically changed Christianity for all of us as we're in here today because this is a Protestant church. And we recognize some big names, but think of all the billions of other names Think of the person that was really influential to you in your faith. Because I think of, you make this harder. (laughs) That's my mom. Years ago, I had a guy who was leaving ministry. Called me to his house. He said, I want to give you my library. Tons of books. I like to read books. I don't know if he knew the influence that was going to have. It was Bill Green. Part of the same family that we are. It could be people that walk in here and they, they don't even speak the same language that you do. Be a part of your family. I've got a friend named Vladimir. He's not Russian. I think only Russians are named Vladimir, but I've got a friend in Venezuela named Vladimir. He's one of our brothers and family. I consider him a close friend. He's the first person. <laughs> I will get in trouble on this one too. He's the first person that I told I was gonna be a dad. I'm on a mission trip, Whitney calls me and she kind of drops that and I'm so excited. She's like, you can't tell anyone till you get back home and we can tell everyone together. And I went, okay. And I went into my room with some of our other leaders and I was like, I just need to go to bed. And uh, the next morning, because I speak really broken Spanish and he speaks even worse English I told Vladimir I said come here I can't hold this in I said mi esposa padre and he was a dad and we just laughed and we hugged and then I had to go home and tell my wife I told one guy he doesn't speak English so it doesn't count and like (laughs) that's that's part of our family we're a body of many faces many races many cultures many time periods united together under the head of christ that's the church universal but there's another aspect to that anytime where it talks about church this word in the bible ecclesia it never refers to a building it's always people and so a lot of you when you grew up if you were in children's church or something you learned that little nursery christian nursery rhyme like here's the church here's the steeple open the doors see all the people no it starts like this here is the church here is the church it's not walls it's not concrete and mortar it's human beings who have been redeemed through jesus christ throughout time and one day we will worship together in eternity and we will look back on every down spot in life whether that be loss whether that be a pandemic and none of that will matter because we'll see and we'll know as we are fully known with Christ. But this is a big picture. The church is church universal, but also within scripture, time and time again, you'll, you'll, you'll see that it's not just universal, there's also a local church. And that's where, yes, there is one church, but there's also a lot of churches. Throughout scripture, Paul talks about, hey, the, the church in Jerusalem, the church in Corinth, the churches in Asia, they greet you. There are these local bodies that come together and this is where we find ourselves today. We are a local church. Welcome to South Point Church. We're local to Abilene. Now, we're beyond it a little bit when we go online. But we are a body united together. And here's also something that changes over the last number of weeks as we've looked at church and we've thought about Christianity and we've, we've had time to think and sit. There's some changes that have to be made. Casual Christianity is something that needs to go away. The idea that this is just some social club or some place that I go on Sunday, this is a terrible social club, right? You have to wake up on your day off early. You're expected to be clean and dressed up somewhat when you come in. At some point, they're going to ask for money. Like, this is a terrible social club. (laughs) It can't just be casual Christianity. It's got to be something more. We've got to know that we have a purpose within this. And so, what makes a local church? Like, just in a little bit of time this morning, I want to talk about what makes us a church. And this is a question that churches everywhere can ask. So, the first one is this. The church is made up of believers. It's made up of believers. Look in John chapter 1. In John 1 and verse 12, he says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. When it comes to church, there's lots of people in churches, but what makes the local church, the church, is people united together in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Believers make up the church because it says Christ is the head of the body believers become that body and so the moment when someone says hey I realize I have walked my life doing it my way and it's just not working I still feel this emptiness in my soul I feel something is missing what is it it's Christ And the moment that a person says I want to turn away from that and I want to follow Christ in that instant they're made into a new creation They are brought into this body. And so for thousands of years now, there have been these moments in some person's time, in some time period, in some other place in the globe, where they said, I want to follow Christ. And that person became part of the church. That person became part of this family that we look at that is vast. But in order to be a part of the church, it starts with that relationship. And that's one that everyone has to individually look at. This is not some inherited genetic thing. This is something where you have to go, okay, where am I with Christ? Do I know him? Do I know him personally? Not just believe in the existence of something, but do I know him as my Savior? Do I look at him and say, Jesus Christ is Lord? Because when a person can do that, then they are part of the church. Next one is this. The church must assemble regularly. Look in Hebrews chapter 10, if you want to follow along. In Hebrews 10, the writer says this. He says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting, uh, not neglecting the, or to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another in all the more as you have seen as the day drawing near. Like, we've felt this for weeks now, Right? Now, this was one we said, hey, we're going to do some things. And so I didn't ever feel like my rights were being infringed in that sense. Like, we were just kind of trying to help do some things. But eventually, it's one, you start to feel that angst of there is something about coming together as the family of God, as the church, to sing to him, to fall in love with his word, to do good deeds. All of these things. Like, we know we have been called to worship together. There's just something about corporate worship. You feel it this morning, right? I'm telling you, listening to other people sing, not just me, is glorious. It's a great thing. I feel bad for the band for the last 10 weeks because I'm, at times I'm the only one in here, and it's like, sorry. <laughs> That's why I'm not in the band. <laughs> Maybe you feel that. You feel that companionship. You feel that sense that, man, I haven't seen my family. If you've ever had a trip where you had to go away for maybe a couple days or maybe it was longer, I know this is Abilene, I know we have military, and so there's that sense of deployment, you start to miss your family. You start to miss talking to them. You start to miss laughing with them. And those times when you finally get home, like I've been on trips, and, and one of the first ones I went on when I had kids Logan was really young, like infant, and I was petrified because I was gone for like 10 days. I was terrified that he was not going to remember me, and I remember holding his face, and he looked at me, and he laughed. I was like, thank God. I've missed you, buddy. Like, we feel that, and so as a church, we are called to assemble together, and we'll talk more about that in a second. The church also must gather together for worship. Romans 15, Paul writes this, May the God of endurance and encouragement, man, I am so thankful he is the God of endurance and encouragement the last couple of weeks, grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ welcomed you for the glory of God. Again, this is not some social club. When we come together, we come together to worship. We come together to acknowledge that God is good, that He has granted us so much grace, that He is worthy of all praise, and so that makes it a lot easier to sing out. Right? There are times where it's hard to sing a song, but when it comes to worship, I mean, when we reflect on all that God has done for us in the past couple of weeks, for the rest of your life, for the days to come, for all eternity. When you start to think on that, man, it is much easier to sing how marvelous, how wonderful you are. And we're called to come together. And I love it when when God brings a body together that, man, it's different ages, it's different races. come from different areas. We've got people that were born in other places and God was gracious enough to bring you to Texas. Amen. (laughs) Amen. What unites that? When you've got someone that goes, I love sports. And you've got other people going, why do people get paid to kick a ball? <laughs> you've got people that go, man, I like this style of music. And people go, what is that screeching in my ears? We've got people that love to be loud. <laughs> and we've got people go, I'm a little more quiet. What, what unites us? It's Christ. That family, that body coming together and going, hey, we come from lots of different backgrounds, but we've worshipped the same God. And so we cry out to him. We reflect on who he is. We worship. The church also has to preach the word. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, having purified your souls by the obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For, uh, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory, that's too small, I'm going to have to turn around and read it right here. Uh, all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. For 2,000 years, actually longer than that, we'll take the Old Testament and we'll add a couple more. This is the primary way that God has communicated truth to his family and his children. And so, we hold this in high regard. That's why I've told you, anytime anyone is standing up here, we will walk through God's word. We say, if you look out in the lobby, one of the things that we say we're committed to is we're committed to God's word. If the word isn't preached, it's not a church. And so there's places out there that are very dangerous because it's not preached or it's misconstrued. And it's dangerous on a level that extends to eternity. And so we say this is important. Anytime we're gathered together, there is always going to be some form of worship. As we worship together, we're always going to examine God's word because we know that it's good, it's convicting, and it changes lives. And so if it's not preached It's just not a church. And the last one is this. This takes place under duly appointed leaders. In Acts chapter 14, Paul says, And when they had appointed elders uh, for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Throughout the existence of what we call the, the, the church, you know, last couple thousand years, God has raised people up, put a calling into their life, and has led them into places of leadership. And I remember what this looked like for me, and it's interesting to be here because I grew up in kind of central east Texas, almost like a whole different state. And for some reason, when I was in high school, we would drive all the way up past Wichita Falls to Looters, Texas, because there was a camp there. And I remember sitting outside of this ratty cabin that smelled of young boys B.O. and shame and talking to my student pastor and going, I feel like God's calling me to ministry. And I didn't know that one day I would not be very far from that camp doing what I'm doing right now. But I remember very, like I've never heard God audibly speak to me. That was the closest. There was not a doubt in my mind. I ran from it for a while. You can't outrun God. But God has called and appointed people into leadership. He's raised them up. That's why Scripture says when it comes to an elder, if if you know, if you feel this calling, if anyone aspires to be an elder, that aspiration comes when God's going, hey, I want to raise you up into something. I'll talk about that a little more in a second, but I want to say this before I go on. Man, as we have had to do lots of different things over the last several weeks, um, Terry O'Brien, Jeff Hookie, thank you. To our staff, thank you. Yes, you can clap for them. (laughs) Man, I am thankful that God has raised them up. I'm thankful that God brought people from other parts of the state um, and has kind of brought together our, our little church family, and I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful that they answered God's call. And around the globe, there are churches meeting today, and God has raised people up to help lead that. That is what makes the local church. So then we have to ask this question. What do we do? Like, as the local church, what what do we do here? First one's this. We worship. I know I mentioned that a moment ago, but, man, when we come together, when we enter into this building It's not that it becomes the church. We bring the church inside, and we worship. And so we worship through song. We worship through reading God's word. We worship in serving. We worship in fellowship. We worship in giving. In everything that we do, we worship. That's why this idea that, man, church is kind of the dead, gloomy place, it was never intended to be that way. I love a lot of Puritan theology, but I look back at how they kind of came into a worship service, and I'm like, let's spice it up, people. Come on. We worship. Also, we do good deeds. Matthew 5, 16, it says this. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If that sounds familiar, it's because that's in the the, uh, Sermon on the Mount. We talked about this. I won't give you the whole sermon. So I'll say this, though. As a local body, we have most certainly been called to do good deeds. Why do we do that? So that people look at us and go, man, you're such an awesome person. No. We do it to become, how did I write this? We do good deeds to become the window in which the world sees God's glory. They see him through our actions. And he says number of times, and all through Scripture, he talks about good deeds, good works, and things like that. He says, hey, I prepared those even before you got there. Why? So that people would see God's glory, and they may give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We have been called to leave this place. We come together, we worship, we fellowship, we laugh, we sort of hug. Now I said it online. Um, we do all of those things, but church doesn't just stop here. Church church happens all out there. And so when we leave here, we look for the opportunity to do good works so that we can point people back to God's glory. Unfortunately, there are a lot of churches that are dying. The reason that they're dying is because they're not showing any evidence of how glorious God is. And so that's I'm thankful for this place. Like I don't feel like we're dead. I don't feel like we're dying. I feel like, man, we are actively looking. What can we do to impact our community? What can we do to impact my neighbor? What can we do to impact my own home? We have to be active in looking for those things, and then we have got to be active with our faith, knowing that, man, this is going to point someone towards Jesus. Someone is going to look at what I'm doing, and they are going to see what God has already done. Because he's already made that way. last thing is this. Man, we rise up. As a local church, when we're faced with adversity, we rise up. Weeks ago, hey, we got to go online. We're not exactly an online church, man. People rose up. Big thanks to Don <laughs> <up> over there. <laughs> got a lot of different systems so we could do that better. People rose up. Our musicians had to come up with different things to do. They rose up. Our pantry, we were still going to make that happen. We had to get creative. People rose up. Like when the church is faced with adversity, it rises up. And so I want to put this out there. I feel like God is calling some of you to rise up. When it comes to serving, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to being a part of duly appointed leaders, Man, what is God stirring and doing in your life? What have you maybe been running from? Because I shared that earlier. I ran for years. Didn't want to do ministry. Had stupid phase. Came back. Okay, I'll, I'll be the best volunteer that church has ever had, God. And finally I just stopped running. I was like, oh, this feels so good. I feel like God's calling some of you to rise up at South Point. And I would say, Listen. And be faithful in that. This is not casual Christianity anymore. This is about taking big steps forward. Because we've seen, there are a lot of hurting people out there. There has never been a better time for us to rise up and impact our community. And impact the nations. But it's going to take you stepping out in faith. It's going to take you stepping out to be more than... Man, maybe you think you can do, but God equips pretty well, right? If the Holy Spirit is equipping us with these spiritual gifts, it's silly for us to go, I can't do that. Let's be faithful. Let's continue to be the local church here that worships together and praises God, all for his glory. Let's pray. Yeah, we love you. God, if there's someone listening right now or watching right now, and they've never felt like they were part of a church because that believer part was missing, God, I pray that you would be all over them. God, that they don't, they'd be uncomfortable. But then you would just calm them and say, hey, I'm right here. If you've wrestled with that of, man, I just never felt like I really knew him, it's not some crazy hocus pocus thing. It's acknowledging, yes, I know that I'm a sinful person. I know that I've messed up, but I want to turn away from that. I want to follow Christ. And so if that's you today, I would encourage you, put that on a card, talk to one of our staff. We want to celebrate that. We want to walk with you through that. As we are the church, God, I pray that we will rise up. That we'll look at our community with the eyes that Christ had. We'll have compassion. We'll have a desire to, to love them well. And God, thank you for the body. God, I'm thankful that we can be here together cry out to you. I pray we never make light of that. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.